Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash SUH. This independent learning activity is funded by Janssen Incorporated. Hello, this is Dr. Lori Sen from BC Cancer. Joining me in the discussion today will be Dr. Martin Dreiling, professor at the Department of Medicine from LMU Hospital in Munich, Germany. Today, we'll be exploring the impact of BTK inhibitors in mantle cell lymphoma, both in the relapsed refractory setting and now moving forward into the frontline setting. There is varying management worldwide, but in general, for younger patients, we include treatment with intensive chemoimmunotherapy followed by an autologous stem cell transplant, and very frequently, maintenance rituximab is used. In the second-line setting, however, we are moving away from chemoimmunotherapy where we've seen the introduction of BTK inhibitors. BTK inhibitors have really transformed the management of mantle cell lymphoma. And then, of course, the new option on the block is CAR T-cell therapy. There are three BTK inhibitors approved for mantle cell lymphoma through Health Canada, and that is Brutinib. Calibrutinib and Xanabrutinib. So Martin, we know that Abrutinib is the BTK inhibitor that we have the longest follow-up on. Well, absolutely true, Laurie. What we do know from really the long-term follow-up up to 10 years is that, or at least Ibrutinib, we do achieve ongoing remission. And if you really move on to first relapse, you see ongoing remissions in quite a number of patients. For first relapse after five years, about a good third of patients is still in remission. There are some data that looked at their younger patients who relapsed after standard first-line treatment. And what they've seen when it comes to late relapses beyond two years, chemotherapy is still an option. In contrast, in early relapses within the first two years, ibrutinib is really achieving superior progression-free and overall survival rates. There are three BTK inhibitors approved by Health Canada, but generally only brutinib is funded. So we still have limited experience with the second generation BTK inhibitors, the calibrutinib and xanabrutinib. Recently, we saw longer-term beta on xanabrutinib. That was also very encouraging. This was looking at xanabrutinib monotherapy in relapsed refractory mantle cell, and many of the patients were able to achieve extended benefit with progression-free survival being about 48%. BTK inhibitors have a slightly different toxicity profile. Martin, if you can discuss what elements of the varying toxicities you see as relevant. BTKI per se are much better tolerated than chemotherapy. We do see some cardiac toxicity, specifically atrial fibrillation. It's not frequently stopping us to move on with ibrutinib, though we see a little bit of hematotoxicity, a little bit fatigue, a little bit of joint pain. And if I refer to my experience in other entities, I would say with the second generation BTKI, you somewhat reduce these side effects by about 
50%. I think to me, the toxicity that's most differentiating is atrial fibrillation. I would say that the second generation options come with a lower concern for atrial fibrillation. And I think that's certainly very relevant in a patient where cardiac concerns may be more of an issue. We know that a calibritinib shouldn't be given with a proton pump inhibitor, but of course, they've got a newer formulation that's coming out and that may no longer be an issue. And of course, we know that all of these agents do increase the risk of bleeding complications, but that probably doesn't influence the choice of which agent I would use. I fully agree. And to be honest, in younger patients, we hardly have seen any of these toxicities. Of course, mantle cell lymphoma is a typical disease of the elderly male patient. Then this becomes more frequent and more relevant. We've seen these agents as monotherapy in the relapse refractory setting, but what we're starting to see is data moving them forward into the frontline setting in combination. One of the seminal trials was called the SHINE trial. It was an attempt to introduce ibrutinib into the frontline setting combined with bendamustine and rituximab versus bendamustine and rituximab alone in general for older patients who weren't considered to be transplant candidates. The primary endpoint was median progression-free survival, which was about 27 and a half months longer with the abrutinib BR versus BR alone. Interestingly, there was no difference in overall survival. However, part of that was because there was an increase in toxicity in the abrutinib arm that led to a slightly higher proportion of patients experiencing fatal toxicities. But I think what was really exciting to see in the front line is the triangle trial. And why don't you talk us through that trial, Martin? So we took our European standard of care, so a cytarabine containing regimen, autologous transplant and maintenance, and tried to add in ibrutinib. We had two experimental arms, both including ibrutinib, but one with autologous transplant and one without. Both of these study arms, including ibrutinib, performed significantly superior to the, let's say, old standard of care without ibrutinib. So based on these data, we switched away from chemotherapy only. So ibrutinib plus chemo standard of care. And in fact, it's debatable whether one should add autologous transplant because so far results are quite similar, but toxicity of autologous transplant is higher. Laurie, how do you read these data? So right now, it hasn't changed standard of care in Canada because we don't have access to the frontline BTK inhibitor, but it is getting the conversation going. If I have a candidate right now who's kind of a borderline candidate for stem cell transplant, I think that this is a patient that may be able to benefit from a BTK inhibitor and maybe the transplant may no longer be necessary. And one of the interesting studies that we saw presented at ASH was a combination of a calibrutinib with the novel agent venetoclax and rituximab in treatment-naive mantle cell lymphoma. Now, this was just a small study. It was early data, but it was a 100% overall response rate, 90% of patients achieving a complete response. And to date, some of those responses were very durable. We also saw another novel, intriguing combination, which maybe you want to discuss, that included lenalidomide and rituximab. Absolutely. The Weill Medical Center has explored first-line treatment in elderly patients by adding acalabrutinib. This is also a very small study, though 24 patients only, but so far data are quite convincing. 
Of course, the landscape will continue to change because there are many ongoing and upcoming trials, including BTK inhibitors in various settings in mantle cell lymphoma. I believe that you're participating in the frontline zanabrutinib trial. Is that correct? Absolutely. And that's an interesting trial because it's skipping cytostatic treatment all over comparing BR to zelnobrotinib plus rituximab. And this will allow us really to see the comparison of chemo versus non-chemo approach. And then, of course, we've got the novel combinations with venetoclax being evaluated, particularly in the Sympatico trial. Here in Canada, we actually had a national trial looking at the combination of a calibrutinib to an ARCHOP chemoimmunotherapy backbone in the frontline setting. I think that will provide interesting data moving forward. And then, of course, you are instrumentally involved in the European Mantle Cell Lymphoma Network. What is going on with the MCL network studies? In future trials, the risk profile of the patients will be defined not by the clinical MIPI, but really by a biological score, which is KI67, about 30%, or detection of p53 mutations and these biological factors in fact already now guide our approaches in these patients to either stratify into a more let's say indolent quote treatment like a bendamustine based approach or a more aggressive one but for the very high risk we do know chemotherapy does not achieve much and therefore we really challenge chemotherapy by the comparison to CAR T cells both in combination with IR ibrutinib and rituximab Absolutely. To me, the take-home message is that moving forward, BTK inhibitors will move frontline in some exciting novel combinations that may allow us to eliminate the use of more intensive chemoimmunotherapy. How close are we to moving toward personalized therapy, do you think, Martin? So I would say there is a case for treating indolent mantle lymphoma with BTKI only. But I think with the new combinations, there is really a fair chance that we say farewell to chemotherapy. Absolutely. With that, I thank you very much for your input today, Martin, and I look forward to the next series of exciting data, which undoubtedly will be emerging soon. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.